0: Hello, everyone, and welcome into today's Irish NFL show with me, Colum Cronin, and I am delighted to welcome our guest today back to the Irish NFL show from Ten Ten XL, Mio O'Brien. How are you doing?
1: Doing fantastic, sir. How about yourself?
0: I am not too shabby, uh, though. I am I am a Broncos fan, so you know uh, I, I'm coming off the back of um, and a very interesting weekend. Um, but we'll we'll leave that in the rearview mirror, and we will talk, I suppose, in relation uh, to um, the team that are headed to London this weekend, that are having an interesting season of their own, and that is your the team you cover, the the, uh, the Jaguars. And I I, I think in uh, in that debate over the pronunciation of the team name. Um, you, should, you should have had some people, should, they should have thrown some people from this side of the Atlantic, be they from Dublin or from London, into the mix. Why, why didn't that happen?
1: Yeah, I'll have to catch up with my boy, Chris Hassel, at CBS Sports, because, uh, yeah, obviously, there's different dialects. They may pronounce it differently. I was upset that the girl from the Orlando area, or I shouldn't say the girl, the reporter anchor from the Orlando area, who has been a diehard fan her entire life, and yet she says it the wrong way. I was just like, Honey, you can't even blame it on a Florida accent because that's not a real thing.
0: Um, well, it's it's an interesting situation that the Jags find themselves in because obviously sitting at, you know, one and two, not um, not ideal as they go on the, the road, essentially, uh, even though one of the games is technically designated a home game and won a road game, but they will be in London. But from the outside, looking in, Trevor seems to be playing quite well. Travis Etienne is making people miss, but the offense can't score points. What is going on, Mia?
1: Yeah, that's what's most fascinating is that we knew in training camp last year that red zone, third down, those were the, uh, you know, that's when the sirens would go off, danger alert, danger alert for this offense. Um, And it proved to be true through the first few weeks of last year's season as well. Training camp this year, Those drills were ran, those portions of practice came to pass, and it was boom, 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 no issues. And so I think a lot of people assume that the Jaguars would have no issues in the red zone, no issues in third down conversion, of which they are one of the worst in the National Football League as of this writing, despite being fifth in efficiency in first and second down. And so what I think you're seeing, and this is what we've heard from the players, is as opposed to a season ago where they were playing with house money and they were the underdog and – they could just play free and easy, and whatever happens, happens. They do feel like they have been pressing because there is pressure to win because they should be winning, and I think you're also seeing the effects, although he disputed this postgame, of the fact that Calvin Ridley has not played in the NFL for almost two seasons, and so the reality of it is is that it's going to take him a little bit of time to get his sea legs under him. It's great that he, he is the best route runner in the NFL. It's great that he still has his speed. It's great that in practice on air, he makes these dazzling catches But it's not just the three drops he had on Sunday. It's the fact that he lined up wrong twice. And he's lined up wrong several times over the past three weeks of the season. And so it'll be very curious to see how they modify the game plan, because they can't modify the offense at this point. Um, I don't think it really has anything to do with the play calling, despite all the accusatory. Is it Press Taylor? Is it Doug? PR-wise, that was a disaster move on the Jaguars part to announce it the morning of the first game. Um, but the reality is that Press Taylor called the second half of games last season. The Jags were a better second half team than they were a first half team last year. And Doug still has confidence in Press Taylor. Um, I don't think that the play calling per se has been the issue, although it has looked clunky at times. I think a lot of this is Johnny's and Joe's as opposed to X's and O's.
0: And in terms of the the defense, because I, you know, we, we uh, pick games uh, over here. Uh, for fun, not for for betting. But all the talk in the lead up to this game, obviously, look, the the Texans, for some reason, uh, seem uh, to, to have the Jags number. But it was like the Texans line was in bits and, you know, there was so many issues. But the Jags pass rush was non-existent. And, like, I, I know Doug got asked about it afterwards and I saw the nigh on 30 second pause as he considered what he was going to say but there's got to be real concerns about that Mia right
1: right so here's a stat that my good friend John Shipley at Sports Illustrated just put out there um me pull it up for you Let's make sure hopefully our uh, internet connection is staying all right here over 40 percent of the Texans passing yards on Sunday came on two yes two Tank Dell catches, which was blown coverage by the Jaguars secondary. That was Darius Williams. That was miscommunication between Rayshon Jenkins and Andre Cisco. So you take the 40% of that production out and it changes the complexity of the game, but that's also the National Football League. Games are decided by two or three plays. Um, that is the most troubling part for me because the secondary was the one area of this defense that I wasn't worried about. I I thought, okay, th- those four guys, and when they bring Trey Herndon in, yes, people are worried about him in the nickel. They're going to be in zone most of the time. That's where he thrives. They're going to have a lot of blitzes from Cisco to Herndon to Rayshawn as well, which obviously we saw in the win over the Titans in the season finale last year. So I wasn't so worried about the secondary. But those miscommunication moments, that's, that's a little troubling. We knew the pass rush because they were banking on development and hope, although hope may not be a strategy. They were banking on that being how that they would be able to get to the quarterback, that Caleb on chase on would develop Trayvon Walker become an all pro. Josh Allen, in a contract year, would produce big time, and maybe you'd get a little bit of contribution from Yasir Abdullah, the fifth-round rookie. They obviously are not seeing that to the numbers that they were hoping to. Part of that, I think, is the fact that no one saw the Devon Hamilton situation coming. It's obviously an unfortunate non-football illness situation. He is in the building. Doug Peterson has hinted he doesn't really have a timetable, maybe around the bye That's week eight. Um, That's concerning because he looked awesome in training camp. And if he can create that interior pressure, then that helps those guys on the edge. Instead, you have a half-healthy Fully Farukasi again and Roy Robertson-Harris having to carry the bulk of the load with some rotational guys creating that interior push. The two guys they have on the edge, because Trayvon Walker really should be playing on the interior, in my opinion, although he certainly can flex out as well, but in spots, those two guys need that interior push if they're going to get to a quarterback. The reason Josh Allen had 10 and a half sacks his rookie season was because he had Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe helping him. And for what it's worth, he had Marcel Darius creating a push on the interior as well. He needs those guys if he's going to put up double-digit sack numbers and he doesn't have the horses for courses right now.
0: And obviously now going on the, the road against a, a Falcons team who are something of a, an enigma themselves. They... Uh, they have a coach in Arthur Smith who very much does things his way, and uh, I I describe him I think as the antithesis of, of Brandon Staley because Staley seems to sway by what you know the crowd says, and and he's gone away from maybe going for it in fourth down. Then he suddenly goes for it last weekend. Given that didn't work out, let's see what happens. But Arthur Smith has courage of his convictions, like him or not, he he know, he decides what he's going to do. But um, we have seen you know, the good side of Desmond Ritter, the bad side of Desmond Ritter, they have lots of weapons. Um, and obviously in Bijan, they have, you know, uh, a player who has kind of dazzled during the opening weeks. What What's the expectation uh, on the ground in, in Jacksonville as the Jags make this trip to, to London for the next two games?
1: Well, I've seen a lot of feedback from fans. Um, I didn't hear this because I was interviewing Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence in the press conference room at the time, that Christian Kirk stressed they need a change of scenery to get out of their own way, to get away from the yips. And so perhaps this road trip, if you may, is exactly what the doctor called for for this offense. We were just talking about it on my daily program. Like, this offense is too good on paper to not perform. This is not a situation like in 2018 where the Jaguars were talent deficient on offense and it came back to rear its ugly head they are very talented on offense and obviously if that offense produces that will help the defense keep them afloat as well and give them more opportunities because they're playing with elite that's what the jaguars are banking on um i think that that will come to fruition at some point this season is it next week jaguar fans are certainly hoping so um i think that <clears throat> excuse me when it comes to the falcons they truly are an enigma because they are similar to the 2017 jaguars ironically Banking on, we have an elite defense that we invested in highly in free agency. And we also have these young guys. This is the part where they're different than the Jaguars of 2017. Elite playmakers to go along with. This is the tie in a game manager at quarterback. Blake Bortles, Desmond Ritter, I'm not going to put them in the same boat. Obviously, one was drafted a little bit later than the other. Um, but as of this writing, Desmond Ritter is 28th in yards per attempt. Um, which is a little concerning if you're the Falcons and if the Jaguars and their top 10 rated run defense are able to neutralize Bijan John Robinson or at the very least hold them to the pedestrian numbers. And I say pedestrian, even though it felt like he was pummeling the Jags at times on Sunday. Uh, Damian Pierce held to 14 carries, 31 yards. Damian Pierce, uh, a human wrecking ball who rocked the Jaguars for almost 100 yards in the one meeting he played in last year. Um, If this defense can neutralize the run, the one thing I think they are really good at, that's Trayvon Walker's strong point. Um, That is where the game will be put into Ritter's hands. It helps to have guys like Kyle Pitts and Drake London on the outside, but can he get the ball downfield to them? And can the Jaguars communicate in the back end and cover those guys too?
0: And I I suppose um, in terms of the... Oh, on on this side, like the this the games at Tottenham Hotspur are very popular. This is a stadium that was built for the NFL. The game at Wembley, there was an the initial kind of rush of excitement, but there are still a kind of a, a significant patch of tickets available. And we know that the NFL itself is is keen to grow the the game continually globally. We've seen the growth of flag. There's talk we know about potentially a game in Madrid, a game in Rio. Do you think like we continue to see the 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 Jags push for more games in London, or is this you know might they be content to having had this experience with the two now um, that they might just go back to kind of one game as such?
1: Well, we'll evaluate that in three weeks when they return, or two weeks, I guess, when they return, because we'll see how this trip goes, because it is a great social experiment at the end of the day. Um, But I think that what will be very fascinating to see, to bring it back on this side of the pond, is the fact that the Jaguars are currently in negotiations for a new stadium. And if you were going to ask $1 billion of the city of Jacksonville's taxpayers and the city of Jacksonville, there is a notion that then you should not be taking home games away from the city to London. Once every four or five years, great. Every season, just because, well, it's a small media market, and therefore we need to make up the cost. We need to create revenue on the back half. I mean, listen, I understand the Green Bay Packers have been around a lot longer than the Jacksonville Jaguars, but that is a smaller media market. Jacksonville has approximately 100-some-odd people moving here every single day. It's not to the extent of a Nashville, but it is a city that is on the rise and growing. And if you put out a winning product you'll see crowds in Jacksonville, like you saw at the end of last season, especially when it's against marquee opponents, obviously against the Houston Texans. It was expected that you wouldn't fill the stadium to the brim, but obviously probably would have liked to have seen a few more. That though is literally the evidence for why the Jaguars management can say, Hey, we need to go to London because we need to make some more money, bring it back, invest it in the city. That's how we invested in the product for the stadium. I get it. Um, so to answer your question in a long winded way, um, the Jaguars in particular are so unique in that uh, question because there is so much also going on over here in the financial realm and rebuilding and renovating the stadium.
0: Yeah, it'll certainly be, be interesting to see. I think the games in Germany last year opened NFL eyes to... Uh, the possibilities, because I think some people uh, on that side of the Atlantic were surprised, uh, you know, just just how keen fans were uh, for for NFL football. In in terms of the the Jags, I suppose um, divisional rivals, um, the. I mean the t- the Titans were such a weird one, right? Because everyone kind of went into the season, kind of going, "Well, who are the Titans? What are the Titans? They're putting it all on, you know, the the Tannehill and, and Henry, and trying to run it back yet again." Um, but the and the, the the Texans, I suppose, there was a lot of you know respect with D'Amico, and they were rebuilding and picks two and three. But the Colts had such a strange. You now, I'm I'm a massive Shane Steichen fan. I think there was a, a you know a lot of hype around him then he goes in there then they have a soap opera you know they had what we've sometimes seen in Jacksonville but their entire offseason was a soap opera the owner gets involved um, there's all sorts of stuff happening now around the NFL, filing grievances with the NFLPA around RB's in particular and injuries and all of this. so this has sparked a whole lot of things but ultimately the Colts just beat the Ravens to sit atop the AFC South Is this a surprising on that side of the Atlantic, Mia?
1: Extremely. Although, of course, Jacksonville's excited because they own the tiebreaker against the Colts. So if they win against the Falcons this weekend, it's all hunky-dory in Duval in terms of standings. Also, it was Gardner Minshew that led to that win against the Baltimore Ravens. And obviously people in this city are still massive Gardner fans. I mean, if you were drafting any quarterback not named Trevor Lawrence, he would have given much more of a fair shake to compete for the starting role in 2021 um and we we all still root for gardner to this day in this town and his family is great and so obviously people here are like well if there's anybody who's going to be ahead of us for you know hopefully just a week or so glad it's gardner um because i don't know exactly what the timetable is right now for anthony richardson and the concussion protocol and also and i'll ask you this i said this all last week on multiple programs here on 1010xl three wide receivers tank dell uh nico collins john mechie went healthy those three right josh downs alec pierce michael Pittman jr you have to pick one of those sets for the next 10 years who are you taking
0: oh that's a that's a that's a good one that is um i'm probably i'm probably going with what the texans have i think
1: bingo bingo yes exactly um And that's no knock on how the Colts have built their offensive structure in Indianapolis. I just think those three guys, and I've heard this from people that worked with Indianapolis during their install period, they're not winning any get-off-the-bus awards and they're not winning any 40-yard dashes. And that's what you need in this league. Um, And not that I think Christian Kirk is winning a 40-yard dash for what it's worth against some of the other guys in the league, but I think a Jamal Agnew could. I think a Calvin Ridley could. And so you need to have wide receivers that offer you a variety of different th- different things, which is what Jacksonville has attempted to build. And not saying that the Colts can't succeed with those three guys, that they can't compete for a division title. Um, but then when you combine that with no run game, with all due respect to Zach Moss, um, because, you know, how, how long is that going to last knowing he's coming off of a broken hand? They already waived DeHaan Jackson, who started the opener for them. And the Jonathan Taylor saga is no end in sight. And you have a rookie quarterback. I have now covered Jim Ursay for five years, column And I can tell you this, he will be going back to Anthony Richardson. Even if Gardner Minshew has to start the next three weeks and they go 3-0, and o, he will be going back to AR for good, for bad. Maybe it's not a bad thing for AR to sit back and watch either. He is an electric player, as I've said on this program. I've said on many others. I've known him since he was in high school. Great leader, great kid, physical freak. But can he be expected to command an offense where it's not like the Falcons, where there's so much veteran presence, there's so many dynamic playmakers around him that he just has to focus on himself? That's not the case in Indy.
0: Yeah, no. That I look, I think to me, Jim Irsey is ultimately the the fly in the ointment because I I do think what Steichen has done. And as you said, like they don't have the weapons, but they have 74 points. I mean, I I think there are maybe three teams in the entire AFC who have more points than them. I mean, they've, they've been um, quite phenomenal. Now they've also given up a significant number of points and that's the, the other side of the coin that they have to, to figure out, but it's year one and you are trying to negotiate a, a a very uh, fine kind of tightrope. Um, in, Let me ask you this, school.
1: then. Let me ask you this. If you have to buy stock in one of the four teams in the AFC South for the next five years, because if all these things come to pass, if Shane Snykin is able to jumpstart the offense and Anthony Richardson is who we think he is, if what we saw from the Texans this week is what they're going to be, who are you buying stock in of the four?
0: I I will... I. Irsay is the reason I don't, I, and I, I don't get, I love Doug P and I, I think Trevor Lawrence can go on to be the number two and I, I don't say that lightly because Justin Herbert is something else but I think Trevor Lawrence has that much talent but I think Shane Steichen is a very special coach, I don't think people, enough people realise it as yet, his feel for how to call a game, his, understanding of his players i think is just um incredible but ultimately uh can is a much more stable presence than it jim irsay uh the the jags need to sort out the defense i agree with you I eileen mean, i think the offense is stuttering but i think you know they ultimately they'll get this going my concern is, is on the defense but when i look at it and i say you know if i in in a five-year period no, that's, that's the Jags. Cause I just, do you trust Jim Irsay no next, next no. April? Not to, not to say to Chris Ballard, no, we're going to do this in the draft.
1: No, exactly. And that's why it's, he's my favorite meme on the internet and it's for a good reason. it's so with all due respect to the good people of Indianapolis, um, they know what they signed up for. Banners fly forever for a reason. Um, but yeah, it's, and it stinks because it is a pretty good defense too for what it's worth up in Indianapolis uh, just unfortunately some of the shortcomings in the roster makeup and a lot of it's due to the owner not the head coach
0: in, indeed um i i am intrigued to to hear for, from you like outside of the AFC south and opening it up to the rest of the seven divisions either conference what are the some of the things that have caught your eye in the the first three weeks it can be positive surprises it can be uh, you've been in in a way kind of shocked that something kind of hasn't come to to pass but looking around the league for you Mia. what is it that you think wow that's really interesting
1: Well, we'll hit a couple. Um, We'll start with last night, uh, which is the Cincinnati Bengals and the Jaguars' offenses are literally the Spider-Man memes of each other right now. Obviously, for the Bengals, largely it's because of Joe Burrow's injury. Um, The Jaguars don't have that excuse. But I did see just such lack of creativity in the first half to go vertical to push down the field, and that's what Jacksonville's been struggling with. And Jacksonville has also been plagued by drops, a league-leading nine. T. Higgins lets two go right through his mitts inexplicably, just like Calvin Ridley with his three on Sunday. Um, they're literally identi- identical twins of each other, and I think when all is said and done, that's a team that has started 0-2 each of the last three seasons and claws their way out of it. For whatever the reason, uh, both squads like to peak at the right time and just drive their fan bases crazy, which is a lot of fun. The Dolphins are the obvious answer. Um, for me, I'm not surprised because I think Mike McDaniels is a great coach, great play caller, um, but the reality is Tua has not played an entire season healthy in the National Football League or in college football. He has never completed a full season. So until we get to week eight and he's still out there, I'm going to have some trepidation about the Dolphins. Um, As far as other surprises, I'm not surprised by the Niners. I'm not surprised by the Broncos being awful. Um, I I was surprised by the Cowboys and the upset at the hands of the Cardinals, but that's the league these days. Um, If I could give you one more It probably would be the Rams who I predicted to actually earn the number one overall pick next year and get the opportunity to keep Caleb Williams in the City of Angels of Los Angeles. Obviously, we're three games into this, but Puka Nakua has been a revelation. He actually was a guy I was pretty high on during the pre-draft process. Matt Stafford looks healthy. A team that was made up of 50% rookies has been able to function with some of the best teams in the league. Sean McVay is obviously a great coach and a great play caller. Um, but I'm curious to see if this trend continues or if my earlier prediction comes to fruition, and uh, they are picking in the top three this upcoming April.
0: Um, I I am ju- just to to dig in in terms of the the Broncos, and I look. I think Denver media has a real tendency to be very kind to the team and hype them in the offseason. season. But did you did you really think it would be this bad?
1: Yes, I did because. Sean Payton didn't stick his nose out there and say how awful it was because he doesn't like Nathaniel Hackett. He said it because he needed to create a buffer for when it was this bad. What's upsetting for me and perhaps surprising is that defense that despite the shortcomings of its head coach, each of the past two regimes was still an elite top 10 tier defense. And the fact that they just gave up 70 points is absolutely stunning to me. That's the part that's shocking. I'm not surprised the offense is sputtering. I'm not surprised all three phases coming to cohesion is taking time um because I knew the moment Sean Payton opened his mouth. He he saw what it was and he's trying to buy himself some time. Thankfully Deion Sanders is doing what he's doing north of Denver. So, it's all good because most of the Denver media is folks focused on the Buffs anyways.
0: Uh in indeed. And look, I I I don't I I think what's interesting when I look back to week 3 of last year, the both the Broncos and the Bears actually won, and both were sitting at 2-1. and one. I, I am only for their their seasons to... Are you ready you know, for I...
1: a, a fun fact, actually, speaking of both of those two? Uh, yes. I'm going to pull it up right now because uh, my colleague, Hayes Carlion, noted that the 49ers, Chargers, Seahawks, and Bengals all started 1-2 and two last year. All four made the playoffs. The 49ers, largely the same outfit as this year, and they look like the best team in football, lost to the Bears and the Broncos in the first three games last season. And granted, that was with Trey Lance, the starting quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo was inserted midway through that loss to the Broncos. Um, but it's still Kyle Shanahan, still that defense. And they went one and two to start the year, and they lost to both those two teams.
0: In Indeed. And that's why I think for, for the Jags, I mean, ultimately it was Justin Simmons intercepting Trevor Lawrence last year that changed things. Maybe London is where they you know get it going uh, again this year. Um uh, Mia for for fans on this side of the Atlantic who want to check out more of your stuff and I would advocate that they do and if you haven't if you're not following Mia on Twitter you a should be but also Mia's your your pinned your, your pinned tweet the gif is oh. absolutely perfect perfect
1: shout out to my uh shout out to my boy Noah Thomas with the University of North Florida and uh if you've seen any of the Jags hype videos with uh, Stranger Things and Star Wars. He's the kid on Twitter who makes all those. But yeah, he he snapped that one for me last year while I was working sidelines.
0: Uh, where, where can people uh, on this side of the Atlantic check you out, though, other than Twitter?
1: Yes, uh, so Twitter. Uh, and of course, I am a host here on 1010XL. Um, so we live stream our shows daily on YouTube now. That's been a big initiative of mine since I took over in that role. And they created the role about a year and a half ago. Um, so 12 to 3 Eastern is when you can catch me on XL Primetime. Tuesday nights, I also host our all-female show, Helmets and Heels. Pretty much all the 1010XL channels, from Twitter to Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, I'm in a lot of the videos as the video director, Um, so you can check all those out there. Um, And then, of course, Twitter and then Instagram as well. I'm Mobryan underscore 16 there. Uh, don't do as much posting per se, but at 1010 Jacks on Instagram, oh, yeah, there's a whole lot of Mobryan there.
0: Well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time. And again, as I said last time, hopefully we see you on this little green island in the not too distant future.
1: That is definitely the hope. And if not for work, then uh, definitely to visit because I miss my people over there and uh, haven't been back since 2016. So hopefully sooner rather than later. Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please do vote with your fingers and rate, review or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Every click, every like, Every positive review and every additional subscriber makes a huge difference. It helps others to find the show and we really do appreciate it. We'd also love to hear from you and to interact with NFL fans on our social
0: channels, wherever you're listening in the world, so please do get in touch.